0: We lost a great race car driver on January 30th, 2020, a beloved fundraiser for Riley's Children's Hospital and fierce advocate for colon cancer screening. John Andretti's accomplishments behind the steering wheel were only exceeded by his humanitarian efforts. With an unparalleled life and career to celebrate, I've assembled a podcast feature that makes 16 stops along the way, all told by those who knew him and loved him. His legendary uncle, Mario Andretti, said it best.
1: Try to, to put together how many drivers have driven midgets on dirt, asphalt, sprint cars on dirt, asphalt, sports prototypes, indie cars, stock cars, and top fuel. You tell me who has done all that. No one. No one that I could ever remember. I mean, that I could ever put together. I mean, there's no way there's another one that has done all that. He's
0: alone. He's alone there. In the 12th installment of Remembering John Andretti, we have NASCAR legend Jeff Burton, who was rookies in the Stock Car Series with John in 1994 and went on to become incredibly close friends. All brought to you in the Marshall Pruitt Podcast by the Justice Brothers, Cooper Tires, TorontoMotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA. Maybe we should just start with when did you and John Andretti get to know one another? Because we know that certainly uh, in the years afterwards, there's some pretty amazing friendship and camaraderie that took place.
1: Yeah, I'd say really uh, more in '94. We were both rookie, you know, rookies, and you know, traveling all over the country and got to know John and. Uh, my wife and John's wife got really close, and obviously still remain close today. Um, he's got a son that's older than the rest of them, but but his oldest daughter and my daughter uh, are the same age, and they grew up best friends. And then his second daughter and and my son, Harrison, um, they're the same age, so they they you know they grew up together. His kids were in my house all the time. My kids were in their house all the time. Wow, you know they stay you know stayed in each other's motorhomes and. Um, just, you know, two families doing, you know, doing with the same routine and enjoy being around each other and, you know, just got to know each other and, uh, the friendship just built over the years.
0: And guess what stands out to me, Jeff, is when we talk about friendships and motor racing, there's a lot of drivers who are friendly with one another, but the added layer of being true friends, that doesn't always develop. And granted, when I think of uh, what we know of you and your personality and John's, I guess it makes perfect sense. Um, But tell me about this, because this isn't something, frankly, that every professional race car driver can say develops in their career to have a a rival, but someone who's also, you know, really become a dear friend as well.
1: You know, it's hard to be friends, real friends um, with the competition and I mean, honestly, I mean you gotta be when you're in the race car, you gotta be selfish. You gotta be self centered. You gotta do all the things that your mom told you not to do. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I think I think one of the things that helped us was our families. Um, you know, seeing or a child's reality, right? So I was around his kids so much, around his wife so much because my, my wife and his wife were so close that you know, we knew each other on a on a on a different level. Um, we didn't know each other just as race car drivers. We knew each other as, as parents, as sons, as brothers, as fathers, as husbands. And I think that, that really made a difference. And I think it would have been, would have been harder to have a relationship. If it wasn't for our kids being so close and our wives being so close. Cause you know, they kind of remind you what's important. You know what I mean? Like, of course obviously your kids want to want you to win. Your wives want you to win, but at the same time, they're a little better at putting, putting stuff aside and, and paying attention to what really matters.
0: If you could, Jeff, share some stories about the two of you. I guess you could say coming up at the same time on that same arc in NASCAR, uh, you know, on the cup side and what it was like going racing with John Andretti And, uh, when you have to flip that lid down, what it was like sometimes having to either share the same piece of track or take that piece of track off of them.
1: Yeah. You know, John was, John was, you know, a relentless race car driver. Um, in my view, underrated, uh, you know, he didn't have the success at the cup level that I think he could have, um, won a lot of races doing a lot of different things. And, and for me, I always respected John as a driver. Um, again, like I said, I think he was a little underappreciated as a driver. Um, John, John brought it all. I mean, he, he was, you know, everybody's into what they do at different levels, right? Mm -hmm. Um, not everybody lives, breathes, sleeps their profession. And John, definitely did that with his racing. Um, and I respect people like that. I respect people that are all in that are willing to sacrifice. John, um, John drove hurt a lot more than probably NASCAR would care to know about mm. <laughs> or, or, uh, anybody else for that matter. And he kind of wore that as a badge of honor. I mean, he did, he, he, uh, he's like, you know what? Other people couldn't, wouldn't, but I will. And and uh, I just gained a lot of respect for John for his who he was as a person, and you know how he how he treated his kids, what he what he wanted for his kids, the sacrifice he was willing to make for his kids and his wife, his 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 family in general. Um, you know, we never really. I don't really ever remember having a run-in or anything with John. You know what I mean? I don't remember a a moment where, like, our friendship was tested. Um, I mean, I'll say this the best way I know how to say it without sounding um, cocky or anything. But, you know, I was driving for Roush and had a really good team and started having some success and winning races. And, you know, some people – I don't want to say hold it against you but wouldn't be happy for you you know yeah and
0: because john never, wasn't always as fortunate let's uh, how's yeah. this he drove yeah, for he, some amazing folks that's no question they just weren't necessarily always yeah. in as competitive a place
1: yeah i mean I, I drove for really good race teams and and john never you know i always felt like john was pulling for me you know even though we were racing against each each other John was happy when I had success and that's, that's hard to do. You know, it really is hard to do. Um, and, and that's how John was. And, you know, John had a circle, you know, and, and if, if you were, if you're John's friend and he's got your back, no matter what, he's got your back and he's very loyal, very dedicated, very committed. And I was lucky enough to be in that circle.
0: So looking at the the time that you all had, especially in Cup, but then just years afterwards as well, and you, Jeff, having spent a trillion races behind the wheel of some form of, of you know, stock car, John's era of driving everything at all times slowed down a bit when he yep. really dug into Cup, but there was... It was still there, though. You'd see him go off and do this here and do that there, trying to uh, add more Indy 500s to his resume. What do you recall from that aspect uh, of the two of you and your camaraderie, knowing that if there was a free weekend, and there weren't many, right, yeah. in Cup, but if there was a free weekend, John was probably going to be off trying to drive something. Wonder if he ever tried to drag you along with that crazy pension of his?
1: So, you know, John one of the things that really interested me about John was when I first started, you know, talking to him and spending time with him was, you know, why in the hell was an Andretti coming in NASCAR racing mm. and what his background was, because his background was different than mine. You know, how he got to cup was different than mine. And I was interested in that. And I wanted to hear the stories about it and what it was like to drive an indie car, what it was like to drive a top fuel car, what it was like to drive a midget. You know what I mean? All those kind of things that, i didn't have experience with um i really enjoyed getting to know john and him telling me those stories um listen i i think i think that what john Andretti did and i think it's important for everybody to remember that you know some people have done the indy coke 600 double but john did it first mm. and everybody else followed
0: who better right I mean, it's a perf- and, perfect statement of who he was.
1: And the impact that that had, in my opinion, uh, in motorsports was, was really big. Um, you know, that's, that's legacy kind of stuff. I mean, we're still talking 25 years later about people wanting to do that same feat. When John did it, it brought so many eyeballs to the sport and so much attention to the sport. It made the Indy 500 bigger. It made the Coke 600 bigger. It had an impact beyond John's, um, just John's success. The impact was the success of all the motorsports. Um, it was a throwback to the days when people would drive anything, do anything, you know, and, and things were starting to get, get away from that as they are today um but mainly cause of schedules that was that was a big deal that was a that was something that just had a major impact on the sport and and everybody that runs the Indy 500 everybody that runs the Coca-Cola 600 has gained benefit from that mm. it made those events bigger um and then you know Robbie Gordon and Tony Stewart went on to do it after and that just added to it but John was the guy that came up with that idea. John was the guy that was crazy enough to say, yeah, I can do that. John was the guy <laughs> that put everything it took to make that happen. You know, and that's, that's a big, that's a, that was just a big influence on the sport. I just don't, I think we, we forget how big of a deal that really was.
0: And I think, Jeff, to, to that exact point, not just being the first to do this, I think also the respect that came from it, right? Again, knowing oh, that he, remember, he's remember,
1: a- remember Dale Earnhardt, remember Dale Earnhardt. I, I mean, I didn't. I've seen video. I've seen it since. Obviously, I was getting ready to race. But remember, they were interviewing Dale Earnhardt. He was in his car, and he was like, "Did John make it? Did he make it? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, wow. that, you know, that's that was that was just everybody was watching and wondering: Is John going to make it? Is he going to be able to? You know what I mean? <laughs> And he, and he did make it and everybody in the sport was watching it. Um, it was, it was just a big deal. The other thing, John, I don't think people realize about John is John was, is, was an astute business guy. Mm. And, um, you know, Marcus Lemonis on his Twitter account on his, you know, he posted out last week that without John Andretti, that company wouldn't be in motorsports. Yeah you know John Andretti did what it took and put something in front of them that made sense to them to get them in motorsports and now they're the the main sponsor in one of the NASCAR's top 3 series.
0: Yeah, thank thank you I mean, Camping you World. Know, that's
1: John. John put so many things together like that. He was so good at business, so good at making sure that, you know, in a business relationship that everybody was getting what they needed. People don't understand how how good of a business person John was.
0: His teammate uh, Davy Jones, when they drove together in 1986 in the the IMSA GTP category, I spoke with Davy, who part of this interview series, who mentioned they got paid. You know, they're driving for the BMW factory back then. It wouldn't have been a huge amount of money, but Davy mm-hmm. just remarked how blown away he was, Jeff, that at like twenty. 20-ish, whatever exact age he was, but young, he'd already saved up enough money and took his earnings from the BMW contract to buy an apartment complex. You know, and here's Davey basically going like, shouldn't I be out running the town at night acting a fool type age? And here's my teammate showing me like, no, invest your money. Make sure that it pays you in the future. And he just said, it blew me away. So, but to your point, it's a great recognition as well that beyond his passion for driving, John was really smart in looking towards the future, uh, from a business standpoint. And you have to believe that that sensibility only helped open those doors to so many different seats and so many different rides, uh, across the world.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it also helped the, the people that he drove for. Right. So, you know, you have to remember that a lot of conversations that take place behind closed doors and, and trying to make your team better and do the things you need to do to be successful. And, for, you know, John behind closed doors had an impact on the people that he drove for as well. Cause he had the sensibilities and the, and the, the thought processes that, um, not, not all of us have. And, 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 you know, his sister, his sister said that, uh, he and his, he and her, he and uh, John's brother. She and John's brother never had any money. John always had cash, <laughs> <laughs> and even little, you know, little. John, John, John always told me, "Cash is king, man. Cash is king." And um, he just, John was a unique person. Um, you know, he, he if, if, if if he liked you, he loved you, and if if you crossed him, then it took a whole lot. You know, if you crossed him, it took a whole lot for John to trust you again. Um, that, that's just how he was. That's who he was. And, and he, you knew how he felt at all times. He was straight up front. He was honest. Um, just, just a, 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 a well-rounded guy.
0: Couldn't really ask for more out of a life. Well, let me, uh, let me ask this to close Jeff. So we've known that John's been sick for a while. Uh, He knew and told us that this wasn't something he was likely to survive. So I know a lot of folks have made an effort over the last couple of years to really make sure that he knew what he meant to them. Just curious as we think about losing John and the impact that he's made, what stands out for you, Uh, whether it's from a friendship side or any other things you might have learned from John that you think you're going to carry with you?
1: So John's love of his family. Commitment to his family, dedication to his family uh, is something I think that everyone can look up to. Um, John's commitment, if you're going to do something, do it. And his his loyalty. He was, if he told you something, that's how it was going to be. And if he told you he was going to do two things, he was going to do three.
0: Mm.
1: He, he wasn't going to tell you I'm going to do two and do one. And just that honesty, that sense of family—those uh, things to me—they're the—they're the—they're the biggest things. And because I, I, I knew John, I knew John. You know, it's a lot more than a competitor, and so I saw him when the chips are down, in tough situations, and I know what kind of person he was. That's something that I'll always look up to and, and, and try to be the same, you know, try to not, not copy John, but, but learn from his, his actions, not his words, his actions. Um, It's just, you can't go wrong if you do that. But John, John deserves to be remembered for the contributions and the positives and the, it's hard not to be sad, but his impact on people's lives this checking for Andretti thing, I don't think people realize that's a hard decision Mm. for those guys, for he and his family to make, you know, he and Nancy sat down and had a conversation about it. You know, it'd be a whole lot easier to deal with this privately. And John, I mean, this is John in a nutshell. John said, Hey, maybe this is my calling. You know, it's not fair. This, this isn't fair, but maybe this is my calling. Maybe this is my, opportunity to have the impact in, in the world that I didn't know I was going to have. And so he went and did it. He went and went public with it. He went, but he when he went public with it, he did it for other people. He didn't go public for it. He didn't go public with it for himself because he damn sure didn't gain anything from going public. He went public to help others. And when he's sitting there dying, he was wanting to make sure other people didn't have to deal with that, mm. and that's—I mean, think about that. So, you know, this checking for Andretti thing it has to live. It has to live, and and um, because that's what he—you know—that's what he would have wanted. And and I just—I I think that to me, that to me is John Andretti. I'm gonna rip my teeth. I'm gonna. I'm going to do what I got to do to get through this. It's going to suck. I'm gonna, I'm, it is what it is. I'm going to fight it, and I'm going to come out and make something better of it, even if it doesn't work out for me. That's as selfless as it gets.
0: Thank you for listening to Remembering John Andretti on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, Bell Racing Helmets USA, and Cooper Tires. If this is your first time listening, more than 900 episodes are available at marshallpruittpodcast.com. We also have a subscribe page where Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other listening options are readily available.